Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. All right, so as she said, my name is Cassie. Um, just to give you a little, for those of you who um, don't really know who I am, uh, I've been at this church since I was y'all's age. I got saved when I was 14 years old and started coming to Family Life Youth. Back then, the name was called Generation Cross, right? We were so cool back then. We had shirts and everything. It was super cool. But anyway, um, I've been here for over 20 years. Um, got married to an awesome guy who is actually preaching the word in the main tonight, Brandon Miller. That's my husband, and I have four kids, and we used to work in the youth. We were youth pastors for quite a while, and we absolutely loved it. We loved having fun with the youth, but um, the Lord kind of moved us on, and um, and so now we get to do both. We get to hang out with the adults, and sometimes we get to come back here and hang out with y'all. So I'm excited to be here. That's who I am. I'm Cassie, um, and tonight I'm really excited to talk to y'all about... <laughs> I'm sorry. Someone in here is making me laugh. Um, but uh, I'm excited to talk to you about school, okay? School's coming up, and I know that everybody is mostly not excited. Some of y'all are probably just excited to see your friends, and some of y'all are excited to actually learn. And I'm very proud of y'all for those who are looking forward to learning. Um, but as I, we were talking, me, Jonathan, and Michaela, and some of the leaders, we were just talking about what's coming up. We started talking about school, and I always look at that time, especially going to high school, I get pretty excited because I gave my life to the Lord when I was 14 years old, um, a couple weeks before I started my freshman year. So as leading up to going to high school, I had a mindset of what I wanted it to look like. I was super excited. I had a lot of plans. Most of them were not holy because I had not given my life to Jesus Christ. But August 9th, 20-something years ago, right before school started, I went on a retreat, and I my life completely, completely changed. And so, therefore, when I was going into high school, I had this fresh outlook of what I was going there for. I was going there for one reason, but in a weekend at a retreat, everything changed. My whole life changed. So when I think about the start of school, I get super excited. I get, I feel like it's freshness. And I just, I remember that time in my life. But I want to start off by asking you some questions just to get you thinking of what I want to talk to y'all um, about tonight. First question is, is anybody in here, and let's do crowd participation, does anybody play sports or have played sports like in your, in your life? Maybe not now, but maybe before. Okay. Think about this. What would happen if you were, let's say, on a football team, because football season is drawing near? Um, what if you're on a football team and you're the kicker, and you t walk up to your coach one day, and you're like, hey, I'm going to just go ahead and be the quarterback, because I feel like it. What would he say? What would he say? Uh, no, yes. Would he let you do that? No, of course not. That's not your position. He did not pick you to be on the team to be a quarterback. He picked you to be a, kick, a kicker. And the same goes as for a boss. If you have a job, anybody in here job, have jobs? All right. So usually when you get hired for a job, you get hired to do a certain position. If you're supposed to be the fry cook and you go up there and you tell your 
boss that you want to start doing paperwork and making the orders and deal with the money, he's probably going to tell you, no, that's not what I hired you for, right? Yes. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So just like your boss hires you to do a position in the company to for his company to succeed, and just like your coach would pick you to be on the team to do a certain position so that the team can bring home the victory, our God who created each one of us has a plan for us, and that's for us to succeed. For our lives, our, our, our little worlds that we're in, and for his kingdom. And so tonight I want to talk about a guy from history that um, he was called by God. And his journey really intrigues me. And as I studied it, I was really, I really thought that, man, his journey of life really goes along with each one of ours. And so therefore, I want to talk about him tonight. And his um, story is found in Judges 13. Um, I may be the only one with the Bible here. It's because I didn't have time to type everything up on the computer. Usually when I do, it's, I don't bring my Bible, but today we get to have the good old paper Bible. So Judges 13, verse 2, it says, In those days, a man named Manoah, that's not actually who we're talking about, from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been able to have, you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden fruit food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. So the guy we're talking about, is na- his name is Samson. I am pretty sure that every, almost everybody in here has heard the story of Samson. And what's very interesting and cool is that I have heard the story of Samson for the last 20-something years. And as I read it over the summer, I got something totally new out of it. And that, I just want to take a, a moment to just say that's how, how powerful the Word of God is. You can read the same story for over 20 years and you can get something new every time you read. So don't fall into the trap that, oh, I've been hearing the word my whole life. I know all these stories. You never know when you're open to God, when he is going to speak to you a new thing with an old story. And so there's four things that I want to talk to you all about tonight that he went through or that about his life that pertains to us. And the first thing is found in verses 3 and 4. I'm not going to reread it, but the first thing that Samson was is he was chosen. Samson was chosen. Now, I don't know if any of y'all mamas had a visitation from an angel to find out she was pregnant. That's not what God did with me. But I would say that if God visits your mama and says, hey, you're going to have a son, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a daughter. 
you can pretty much bet that, you know what, you were chosen. But that doesn't have to happen. God does not have to visit your mama or your dad to know that you are chosen. When we were created, God chose us. You know, for the ladies in here, the guys might be like, oh my gosh, this is a dumb illustration. But it's what I thought of. I think of when you go in your closet, you've got a bunch of, bunch of outfits. <laughs> and you really can like what color top you want, what kind of pants you want, what socks. And like you get to choose. There is a variety of clothes in your closet. And some of you guys too. But there's a variety of clothes in your closet. And you get to choose. And so when I think of us individually with the way we look, but also our giftings, God chose that. He did not have to. He did not have to make me. He didn't have to make you. He did not have to make anybody in here. But he did. He chose you when he created you. Basically, he picked you for his team. God picked you for his team. And I have a question for you to think about. Have you said yes? Have you said, yes, God, you chose me and I step up and I say yes. If you haven't, will you say yes? The second point that I want to bring up about Samson's life is he was called. And it says it in verse five. It's um, in a moment, in one moment, in one sentence, or maybe two, his mom was told what he would do and who he would be. He was called a Nazarite. And he, he was told what he would do. He would begin to rescue Israel. I say he was told, but his mama's told. But anybody in here who has a mama, you know that if God says something to your mama about you, she's going to tell you, right? And even when God doesn't tell your mama something, she's probably still going to just tell you what she thinks. But in this case, God told his mom what he had for Samson. And also, the cool thing is, is it's something that I don't see often in scripture, and I'm not saying that I see it too often in, in real life, although there are a lot of people that are very strong. His gifting was his strength. And I think that, I mean, if you read the story of Samson, you see he did some crazy things, like crazy. Like one of the things he did was he took some foxes and he tied them together. I forgot how many. I have it written down somewhere. But he tied their tails together. He set their tails on fire so that they could run through this field and set the town on fire. Like you got to be pretty brave, bold, and and strong to be able to pull that off. But he also killed a bunch of people with like a jawbone. I mean, like this guy was incredible. He had incredible strength. Some of you that have never heard the story, you're like, is that even for real? It is. Because if the Bible says it, it is for real. It did happen. But that's just pretty interesting and really cool, I think, that his gift was his strength. You know, but one thing that we need to remember is when we get chosen for a team, we don't always get called on the field. We don't, sometimes people get chosen for a team and they, they sit the bench, whether it's because coach doesn't like them or because they don't play that well or they have an attitude, whatever. There's all these different reasons, but not everybody gets called to be put on the, on the bench. But in first Peter 410, I'm going to go ahead and turn there and I want to read that to y'all as well. 410 and 11, it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve 
one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. I like how he says that God has given each of you a gift. That is your calling. When people talk about your calling, what are you called to do? What is your calling? Well, it's wrapped up in the giftings that God has given you. And the reason that he gives those to us is to serve him and to serve others. Um, there are different kinds of gifts. You have your individual gift, and that's the one that you're created to do specifically, like we already saw tonight. I mean, that some people were using their giftings up here in, in, in music. Um, they got our guys running the, the lights and the sounds. That's a gift because I tell you, I couldn't do that. Um, there's many, many different gifts. They're unique. And they're tailored just for you for your specific specific purpose. Um, there's a gift that God put strategically in us. And guess what? That's our gift to the world. Like God uses us to, us to God uses us to gift the world, to bless the world. Um, we are called. Like Samson was called, each one of us in here, we are called. Whether you know exactly what that is or not, we are called. In Matthew 9, 36 and 38, and I'm going to turn there and read that as well. It says, okay, why? That's what I want. Why? Why? Why do we have these giftings? Why are we called? Why do we serve? What? What's all that about? Why is that important? Why am I up here on a Wednesday night trying to talk to you all about this? It says here, and this is talking about Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. Why? Why are we gifted? Why do we have a calling on our lives? Because y'all, there are people out there who are helpless. There are people who are confused. There are people who are aimlessly wandering throughout life. And if I asked each and every one of you individually, you would say that you know someone who is just like that. And the thing is, is God wants to use us. He wants to use us to help him. It says here that um, the harvest is great. What is the harvest? What harvest is he talking about? The harvest are those people that are ready for picking. You know, whenever you have a farm or a garden, you there's many things you do to get the fruit or the vegetables ready to pick. When And when it's ready to pick, they call that the harvest. You go harvest your fruit and vegetables. And there are many people that you are going to come in contact with that we come in contact with every day at school whatever in your in your extracurricular activities in your job in your home some of us in our own home there are people who do not know Jesus Christ as their lord and savior they have not given their lives to the lord and they are ready and god wants to use us sorry i keep hitting this thing it's cuz i'm short but that's okay so there's people everywhere that are confused, helpless, and wandering around aimlessly. And God wants to use you. 
He wants to use you. And we can't use the, there's no excuses. Even even if you're homeschooled, I mean, I don't know any homeschooler that stays home 24-7. Like everyone is around people, whether you're at the grocery store or at a restaurant, even at church, chances are there are people in this room tonight who have not given their lives to Jesus Christ to serve him and follow him. So anywhere as you go, there's going to be people like that. And um, verse 37 says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. Send more workers. Jesus Christ, letters in red. The letters in red in your Bible mean Jesus said it. And in my Bible, those are red letters. And it says that he is telling us, pray for the harvest. Pray for the workers. So guess what? We're those workers. A lot of you have, some of you have started school already. Some of you start tomorrow. You are going into a harvest. What do you want to do about it? What do you feel like you should do? What is God speaking to you tonight and telling you to do when you enter in the harvest? You know, whenever I was a teenager, we had this youth pastor and he would preach loud and he would preach hard and he would spit and he was, he was really great. I mean, like he really just brought it down to us and he would always be like, tell us the importance of heaven and hell. And he would always tell us the importance of souls need to be saved. A soul is, a soul is an individual. And he would say, people need to be saved. People need to come to Christ. You go out in your high school. You go and tell them. And man, he would just tell us so much that I would leave church totally feeling the pressure. Like, oh my gosh. It's up to me if, if, if I don't do something, all these people are going to hell and I would get so weighed down. I get so burdened. Like, oh, like, what do I have to do? It would really, really, really overwhelm me. And that's not, that's not at all what the, the purpose of this is. And I'm going to explain to you, um, why there does not need to be pressure associated with telling people about the Lord. Um, and that's found in 1 Corinthians 3, 5. We're going to take time and I'm going to turn in my Bible. All right. First Corinthians three, five through nine says. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. So for those of us that are leaders, that we self-declare we're a leader, whether it's a leader at this church or a leader in fusion or a leader in kids life or, or a leader at your school, that takes the pressure off because we realize we don't have to do it all. I am thankful that I do not have to get up here and play worship and then speak a word every Sunday and Wednesday and every time there's a word that needs to be spoken. I'm so glad that I don't have to counsel every single woman in the church. I'm so glad that I don't have to try to figure out how to take pictures and edit them and do the graphic stuff. Oh my gosh, like I'm so thankful that I don't have to do everything 
And you should be thankful for that too. We shouldn't want to strive to be the best and do everything the awesomest. Like that's not what we're called to do. We each do our own thing. Like he says, one plant, one waters. Makes me think of this hilarious story that I'm going to share with y'all because I have time. Um, when I was in high school, I started working at Chick-fil-A and there was this girl, Kendra. Her name was Kendra and she would always give me a hard time about not going out with them. You gonna come out tonight? No, Kendra. And she's like, oh my gosh, she would tease me. And then they had a little group of them that would tease me. And they're like, come on, Cassie, say a cuss word. I'm like, oh my gosh, really? You know, they would just try to make me do the dumbest things. And I'm like, look, I could totally just say a cuss word for you, but that would just be stupid. And I'm not, you know, like just because you want me to. So they would give me a hard time all the time about everything that I didn't do. They would give me a hard time about it. And that was, it wasn't hard to not do it because I really had no desire. It was just so annoying that every time I went to work, I knew one of them would give me a hard time. Well, Kendra, she eventually started to soften. Well, my, one of my best friends at the time started working there with me and they just, they clicked. And so my friend Aaron started just ministering to her. Well, eventually Kendra got saved. And she started coming to Family Life Church. And one day, she we were at a, a gathering. I can't really remember what it was. But she starts telling everybody how when she was working at Chick-fil-A, oh, my gosh, there was just this girl who just was was ministering to her and doing all this. And I'm starting to get choked up. Like, oh, my gosh, she's talking about me because that was me. I prayed for her. And I did all this stuff for her. And she was like, And just saying all this stuff. And she was like, so I just owe my salvation to Aaron. I was like, what? Like, I wasn't even recognized in that moment when I did all that plowing. And I really was, I was very jealous in the moment. Because I'm like, she just gave Aaron all the glory. And I plowed and I prayed. I don't even know if Aaron prayed for her. But truth was, is that I obviously wasn't ready to handle that kind of glory or honor. But I did do a part. And I know that I plowed, even though Aaron got the glory. And my point of that is, is you never know. You never know what your smile is doing to someone at school. You never know just by you not partaking in certain talk or certain actions. You never know how that's going to affect someone. You never know what part of the process. Are you going to be the person that does the super hard plowing work with someone where you answer all the questions, you take all the criticism, they make fun of you. Is that going to be you? Maybe. That was me. I I played that part. Are you going to be the person that just plants the seeds, that just by you walking around, doing just being you, you're planting seeds? Are you going to be the water? Are you going to be the person that goes and people comes to you and asks you questions because they really want to know, not because they're trying to make fun of you or criticize you or debate you, but they really genuinely want to know, are you going to be able to just watch someone get saved? Someone pray the prayer of salvation. Are you going to be able to see the harvest? There are people that I know when I get to heaven, I will see them. I don't see them now, but I know that I will see them then. And that that's all of us. We are all called. And that should bring us That should bring us comfort knowing we don't have to do it all. We just need to be us. I I shared my testimony in Cuba that I got saved because I had a, I mean, I know I'm sure there were people praying for me, but I had an aunt 
that just was so loving and kind to me. And it was a different kind of love than I was used to experiencing. Just her loving kindness drew me to God. So you never know what you're going to do this coming year that will draw someone to the Lord. That'll be part of the process. And that's important. That's a, it's a shift in our minds that needs to happen to know that we don't have to do it all, but we can do something. And that's being who God created us to be. All right. So going back to the life of Samson, the story of Samson, like a lot of us, he was, he was doing what God called him to do. But then he got a little off course. He got a little distracted by a lady named Delilah. Anybody remember hearing about Delilah and the story of Samson? Um, he allowed her to distract him. And that's found in Judges 16, 17. All right. It says here, okay, so what happened was that she was trying to get a secret. He's so strong. So she's trying to get the secret, like, dude, why are you so strong? She was coaxed by some of the authorities, some of the rulers that were like, go find out why Samson's so strong. Um, and it says, finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. The third point is that he compromised. Samson, he compromised. He, he was, at first he was distracted. It was just kind of like, Delilah? Hey. And then he allowed her in. He welcomed her in. And then he spent so much time with her that she ended up persuading him to do the one thing, y'all. The one thing that he was not supposed to do, share his secret so his hair would be cut. The one thing. He allowed her to wear him down, told her his secret. Next, what happens is she told the authorities, and you can read that in the Bible. It's all in there. She told the authorities. They cut his hair. They gouged out his eyes. I'd like forgot about that. Like I read that years ago. I mean, I'm supposed to read my Bible every year, but apparently when I've been reading it, I just forgot. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. But when I read it over the summer, I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot that they gouged his eyes out. So they did that and then they imprisoned him um, and gave him hard forced labor. So here's what I'm thinking. How humiliating was that for him? He was known as this big old strong guy who did all these powerful, mighty works. And then a little bit later, he has his eyes gouged out, his hair is shaved. What he was known for, who he was, who he was celebrated was all gone. How embarrassing, how humiliating. The consequence of compromise is never fun. The consequence of compromise is hard. And guess what? It happens to us all. You know, I think about whenever we put something stupid on social media. You can't take that back. When you send a text out to someone, you can't take that back. You know, sometimes we do something so bad and we it's just maybe between you and someone else. And then word gets out or the pictures get out of what you did. That is never, never easy. It is never easy. And that has been the source of people quitting. That has been the source of people 
giving up on God, giving up on doing the right thing. They get found out and all of a sudden it doesn't matter anymore. I'm not doing the right thing anymore because it's too hard. The consequence of compromise. But I have good news. I wouldn't sit here and or stand here and tell y'all that. I have good news. And that is found in uh, 26, uh, 1626. says, Samson... Okay, at this point, Samson, I know I'm giving y'all some Bible story tonight. I I love a good old-fashioned Bible story. I'm not in children's church anymore, but man, I love a good old-fashioned Bible story. So we almost done for those of y'all who are like, can this be over? So at this point, Samson was in this room where um, they had all these guys that were partying it up, all these guys and gals partying up, and they put Samson in front of everybody so everybody can laugh at him, make fun of him, and tease him. So he's standing there, hair starting to grow back, eyes gouged out, chained up to these walls, and this is what it says. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there, and there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars and held up the, that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temples crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his lifetime. The fourth point that I want to bring up is that Samson had a comeback. He had a comeback. A comeback is when you go and you come back. A comeback is when you were once somewhere, you leave that place and you come back. And that is the hope that I really want to bring. And I feel like by the Holy Spirit that there are people sitting in here tonight who you need a comeback, who you have compromised. You have been in one place and then you've drifted off in some kind of way. And now you're ready to come back. And tonight is your night. Tonight is your night to come back. You know, God chose you. He chose me. He called us. He sees us and he is near us when we compromise. But he also wants to be there when we come back. I don't know if any of you have little siblings you've ever babysitted, little cousins, just little ones that start to, when they start walking and when they fall, they take a few steps, they fall. Do the parents or the caregivers ever say, oh, oh, well, guess you're never going to walk. No, they help them up. Come on, baby, you can do it. Come on. And they keep trying and keep trying until that baby is walking, until that baby is running. And that's what God does for us. Our God is a good God and he wants us to get up. He wants us to walk and do what he has called us to do. And when we go away and when we mess up, he calls us back and he wants us to come back. So, I just want to take a minute and I want you to self-evaluate. Just think about where you are. Are you a person in here that's never said yes ever to God? You never walked in and said, yes, God, you chose me and now I'm choosing you. Is that you? Or are you maybe a person that you're like, oh, no, I love Jesus. I'm serving the Lord. 
but you're not sure of your, your giftings and callings, or maybe you're not sure what your gift is and how you can use it. And you're like, I am ready to use my gifts for the glory of God. I'm ready to accept the call. I'm ready. I'm ready to go to that next step. Maybe that might be some of you. And maybe there's some people in here who have compromised. I know I had many times. And if I would have quit when I compromised, I can guarantee you I would not be married to my husband. I can guarantee you my children would not be raised in a Christian home. And I can surely guarantee you that I would not be standing up here tonight being able to share God's word with you if I would have quit every time I compromised, because I sure did. But I came back. And God God wants that for each of you. So what we're going to do is just going to take a little moment. I want you to just to reverence everybody around. Nobody looking. Just close your eyes. Just while you're sitting, you could stay sitting. Close your eyes and just think, where am I? Do I need to say yes to God? Do I need to activate my giftings? Or is it time to come back? Where am I? I want to pray over you. And I would I want you to, to identify where you are and, and pray and ask the Lord to help you. Ask the Lord to do that next step that you need to do for your life. And if you're like, I am all good, I am just rolling, then you can pray for others. But just identify where you are. And I'm going to pray over everybody. Father, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you that you have indeed called us. You chose us when you created us. You called us to a specific, specific gifting, a specific plan, a specific position. And God, you forgive us, Lord, when we compromise, Father. And I thank you for that. I pray that everyone would be open, Father God, to what you are saying to them. Holy Spirit, speak. We ask that you speak so not one of us leaves here the same, so that each one of us can leave here, go into that next, go on that next step with you, Lord. Father, I pray for every single person here, Father God, that's going to school, Father God. I pray that they would have a burning desire, Father God, to use their giftings for you, God. God, that they wouldn't compare with what other people are doing, Father, but that they would desire to use their giftings for you in whichever way, Father God, that you would have them use it, Father God, that there would be no pressure, Lord, but that they would just be walking out the purpose, God, that you have called them to walk out, Father. Lord, I lift them up. I pray your hedge of protection over them as they go to their schools, their workplaces, in their homes. Lord, I pray that they would be a light in the harvest, Lord God. I pray that they would choose to be workers for the harvest, Father God, that that we have at hand, Lord Jesus. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I got one more thing, one more business I want to take care of. And that's for those of you who may have never said yes to God. I don't want you to leave here tonight without saying yes, Jesus. I want you, Jesus, to be Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus makes it clear in the Bible that we must be born again. We we were born from our mamas, and now we have to make a decision that we are going to be born again, which means take, we were going one direction, not serving the Lord, not looking to Jesus. And we're going to switch directions and we're going to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And so for those of you who you want to say yes tonight, we're all going to say a prayer together because most of us in here, 
we, we're saved. We're born again. We're living for Jesus. But if there's one person in here that is not, we're all going to pray with you. We're all going to pray together. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if for the, if this is the first time for you and you're like, oh yes, this is me, then I want you to join everybody and repeat after me. So let's go ahead and just pray again real quick. Father God, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask that you forgive me and cleanse me from all the sins that I've ever committed. I want to serve you and live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram.